Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok. And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is one of our News and Cues episodes. The News stands for News, and the Cues stands for Questions. We're excited to dive into all of that. 
We are. We are. We are. It's always a weird time for Star Wars news where sometimes I feel as we head towards shows or movies, we're repeating themes in the news. But it's also fun to take deeper dives and continue to get excited for the things coming out. So we'll have some Book of Boba Fett news and some important questions coming a little bit later. Before we get to all that, as always, I want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles and growing to choose from for your iPhone, phone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, we have our Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. But as always, uh, Joseph, uh, that's not all. No, we also have an offer from Insight Editions. They are a publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books and other pop culture books as well. They are offering 35% off across their website if you use this special link, insighteditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we're recommending the Insight Editions book, Inner Jedi Journal. Uh, this is something that they uh, recently sent me, and it is exactly what it says. It's a little journal where you try to be a Jedi, and uh, from a peaceful perspective. It isn't like this week, cut off a hand. Uh, it is this week, you know, be mindful. Hey, this Jedi encountered this problem. How would you handle that? Write some intentions about helping people. It's a lovely little book. So uh, check that out if you're interested. You can use that link, insighteditions.com slash discount slash FC35. I'm holding a copy myself, Joseph, in uh, page 22, week five, coloring meditations. You can color Yoda and Luke on Dagobah. <laughs> and will you, are you going to do it, Ken? Uh, I might try. I might try. It's a great picture of Yoda uh, on the other side to show you how to color him correctly. Um, but it's got that. But it's also, you're right, it's got some deep stuff. There's one about Ray and Kylo on opposite sides of the war but had much in common. Have you ever found common ground with someone or met an unexpected ally? This is deep stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. I opened it and it made me really happy. I think it's really great and it also stressed me out of like, oh man, I got a lot of work to do to be a better <laughs> Jedi. Yes. <laughs> uh but there you go. Good stuff from our friends at Inside Editions. Exactly. All right, uh, let's catch up ourselves. Uh, it's uh, been a little bit of a different recording schedule for us. Long-time listeners uh, understand uh, that as we uh, transition. But uh, Joseph, uh, Star Wars, Life Adventures, all of it, uh, what do you got? Yeah, had some uh, good life adventures, uh, getting out, out a bit, uh, and seeing people and having some fun and all that great stuff. Lots of Star Wars adventures in terms of uh, buying things, to be perfectly honest. Mm. <laughs> and mm. uh, I, I've been talking about on Force Center that I, I opened the eBay can of worms because I got wow. a, an email a while back from eBay going, you know, we're going to shut down your account because you haven't used it in years and years. I'm like, well, I should just open it up and then like, Oh, no. Every time I see anywhere a reference to a Star Wars thing, I'm like, I bet they have that on eBay. So uh, <laughs> anyway, I recently got a book that it shows my Star Wars journey because mm. as a as a young kid, I would have I probably saw this book in a bookstore. And I was like, nah, I'm not that into the Ewoks. Uh, but then I saw it on somebody posted it on Twitter. I think it showed up in a Google search for something. I was like, I have to have that. Uh, I got myself a book from 1984 that is called oh. The Adventures of Tebow. Oh, and it is written and illustrated by Joe Johnston. And I, I, I've had such an Ewok resurgence uh, of, you know, coming to understand them more, appreciate them more, embrace them more. I've embraced the inner Ewok. I'm waiting for that journal. Um, I like Tebow. He's always been one of my favorites. I've watched a couple episodes of that Ewoks cartoon. And I'm kind of fascinated with the transition of uh, what the Ewoks are like in the movies versus the... Um, 
actual uh, cartoon. And apparently this is where some of the ideas uh, for the cartoon were, were gestating as well. Wow. And then, of course, it's just amazing to be like, yeah, and then this guy went and made uh, Captain America the first Avenger. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I had to look that up. The Adventures of Tebow, a tale of magic and surprise? Yeah. That's- no, I'm looking at suspense. Okay. Yeah, magic and surprise sounds like he is doing kids' birthday parties, right? Uh, but magic and suspense, right? It's just that I think that's what really got me is it's, it's this mm-hmm. investment. It seems like, you know, the Ewoks blew up. Uh, there's a marketing push. You know, there's not else, a lot uh, else going on with Star Wars, but the Ewoks are still being moved forward by Lucasfilm. And it seems like it's, it's this great investment in fantasy. Yeah. Not, I mean, Star Wars has elements of science fiction. It's more space fantasy, space opera, all that kind of thing. But the the Ewoks just seem to really fire people's imagination. They're like, let's just do magic spells and stuff. <laughs> this is, I got it. I don't, if I knew this existed, it completely vanished from my my brain. That this, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. So like, this is like, I'm going to, I'm going to wait until late at night in a, uh, some uh, night where my wife has to work late and I'm going to pour myself a whiskey and read Adventures of Tebow by candlelight. I'm uh, really looking forward to this. If I may, could I just read the first sentence on the, uh, the summary here that they got? This is amazing. Please do. Tebow, the daydreaming Ewok. He's just out there daydreaming. Pablo's drinking in the corner. I always contend he's a little bit of a wild Ewok. Tebow daydreaming in the corner. Tebow, the daydreaming Ewok, finds the peace of his village destroyed when Volgar the Duloc reports that Tebow's sister Melania, or no, no, Melani, excuse me, has been stolen by the giant Grudak. There's a lot of words in there I've never seen in Star Wars before. Right. It is, I mean, it's some stuff that that pops up in the the animated series as well, and it is, but it is just like absolute bonkers fantasy, and I really, really enjoy it. Wow, you might have won the day. <laughs> I'm sure you had a good Star Wars adventure as well. What did you buy from eBay? I did not buy anything quite yet. Um, I uh, did meet a lot of wonderful folks um, out at the uh, Schmodown Spectacular Fan Expo. They had the the movie trivia Schmodown held their big event. I. I got to be a guest announcer for the Star Wars Championship match, which which was a lot of fun. But always, it's just fun to to meet um, not just listeners of Force Center, but Star Wars fans who who know uh, you and I and others from the Star Wars punditry world, and and that just uh, automatically just invites wonderful conversations. Um, uh, there was great stuff. Uh, I talked to a, a listener uh, named Bobby. Who had some uh, I'd met before years prior, but um, had. Uh, some great thoughts on on some of the new Thrawn books, which I know you and I have, haven't taken that deep dive into them about how that could tie into the Ahsoka series. There's some great, you know, not just speculation and theories, but just like finding the connections and some emotional themes that could be present in both properties and that that kind of conversation. That stuff was good. Um, uh, a listener named Justin Hamilton uh, uh, just uh, was, uh, you know, uh, very emotional about con- uh, the power of being positive and, and the struggle of being positive in Star Wars. Um, the listener Jose, who appreciated our uh, deep dive into Dexter's Diner, uh, and then you and I, you know, just we legitimately love that scene and think there's so much there. I uh, got to chat with uh, uh, John Hoey from the Resistance broadcast. He and I've never really uh, sat down, had too much to, time to talk to each other when we've run into each other at celebrations. He was a lot of fun. Um, you know, his joy for Solo and Rise of Skywalker um, uh, is right there with ours, and it's just fun to connect with fans on that level. Of course, Alex and Molly Damon, Star Wars Explained, those scoundrels were there as well uh, and love them so much. So that was kind of fun, Joseph, just to kind of, you know, uh, we, we can be so isolated 
as Star Wars fans or podcasters, especially the last couple of years when there's not a lot of in-person connection, right. just to be out there and about and feel the love of Star Wars uh, is always welcome. Well, that is great. I yeah, I, I was uh, unable to make the event, but it was really nice to see on social media just the uh, parade of people going, "Hey, look, uh, <laughs> this cool person's hanging out with this person," and yeah. yeah, that it is really great when uh, we have community on social media to talk about Star Wars, and I can see different people's uh, opinions and excitement, mm-hmm. the enthusiasm for uh, you know make Solo two happen is, is so great. Um, it, and then it's cool to see that hey, that can happen in person too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and especially, you know, uh, I'm so grumpy sometimes about Star Wars online where I just want to remove myself from it. And and there's positives to that, I think, and self-preservation <laughs> to that, I think. Um, but it's just nice to out and about. But I did have something else happen on Sunday, Joseph. That Oh, yeah. So uh, Grace and I generally every Sunday go for a morning coffee walk with our dog Baxter. Baxter's been battling some health problems. He's now uh, blind in his left eye and uh limited vision is right eye so it's a little bit of a slow walk and and you know as long time long time pet owners you know any anyone knows like i can you can get, get you kind of down you're you're once a vibrant happy puppy uh you know he's 14 years old but he's still a puppy at heart uh you know see him kind of struggling a little bit it can get you down and so we're on this walk and um uh, a lot of people know the it, it it goes viral every now and then where uh, there's a guy on a on a powered like an electric powered um, skateboard, for lack of a better term, uh, who dresses up as Din Djarin and has Grogu, uh, a Grogu doll strapped to his front, and he just drives around. Just yes. fast. So that's, as I said before, that's my neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> almost to the point of I almost want to don't want to admit it because he's past my house type of thing before. Um, but Grace now out for a walk, and there's a bike path that used to be an old um, train track through the city of Burbank, right? And it's a now a walking path and everything. But he was in the street, and we it was just us on the sidewalk. Grace, me, Baxter, and we see him coming from a while, a while uh, you know, a little bit of a distance. Grace is not too familiar with that. She's never really seen it online. She's like, so her mind was blown. <laughs> and as he's passing close, you know, he's got Grogu, he's full costume, and I yell, but you should yell in that situation. I yell very loudly, Mando! <laughs> and he turns to me, and he has like a he has like a voice uh, box. He has like a he has, it's a working. And he turns to me, and he turns to us, and he just goes, "You you both have a good day." And he just keeps <laughs> riding on. And I was yeah. so expecting you to say that he said, "This is the way," or right. some other quote, right? <laughs> and here I am, uh, you know, forty five, got back paid, uh, beaten down by life, aren't we all? It's been the last couple of years to struggle. We got our our our, our little dog who's uh, you know tried so hard. We're a little down about it. And he said that I went from forty five year old cynic to seven year old Star Wars Ken. It was I just was so happy that Din Djarin talked to me. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. And I, I'm so curious always of like, is he? going someplace is that person like on the, their way or are they just like doing rounds making people happy i think he just does rounds and it's crazy if anyone's you've seen the video he's on that uh, little electric uh, little vehicle he's got there and number one great balance is someone who uh, sold his star wars figures to get two dollars to buy a skateboard that he fell off twice and sold it uh i i'm always impressed with that this goes uh, but i've seen him he whips down like burbank boulevard is a major city street through downtown burbank he just, he's on it. He's in the, he's not on the sidewalk. He's just on the street. <laughs> and I don't think he's ever been stopped. I don't know if that's illegal or not. I don't think anyone would stop him. Uh, he's just, he's just a full bounty hunter spreading joy throughout the galaxy. 
Well, that is absolutely great. We had many tales of bounty hunting from you saw an actual one to I bought something on eBay. Both kinds of bounty hunting. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so there you go. Those are our Star Wars adventures, but we're not quite done yet. Speaking of bounty hunters, let's take a look at some of these Star Wars news items out there. As I said up top, we're racing towards the Book of Boba Fett. That means a lot of news might be around promotional materials and interviews about Book of Boba Fett. So even though sometimes it's news beats that are repeated, it's fun to take a deep dive in and focus on little things about them. And uh, today we got this idea of the secret life of bounty hunters. Uh, this coming from uh, an SFX magazine feature, a uh, big feature article that came out about the Book of Boba Fett. A lot of things in there. It was really cool. But uh, Ming-Na Wen uh, spoke about uh, Fennec Shand and uh, what her place might be in the show. Not too many details. A nice, uh, vague kind of promotional talk, which I enjoy. <laughs> she said uh, that the working relationship between Fennec Shand and Boba Fett um, will be, uh, you know, in large part uh, have to do with their connection, um, uh, being connected by their near-death experiences. That's a shared um, backstory, as we know, and that makes a shared vulnerability. And both of them learning to get something out of the partnership, particularly she was talking about Fennec Sham, um, seeing the value of working with somebody and so this being the time to kind of not work alone, which is something different from the past. So, Joseph, this is the book of Boba Fett. We know that. His name is in lights. <laughs> Fennec Shand is going to be a big part of this show. At this point, what do we think Fennec will bring to this particular story? Yeah, I'm really curious about this because I, I think, obviously, she's going to have a large presence. Um, I'm really curious if she is going to have her own character arc, you know, that she is going to start in one place, be challenged, and then be changed by the events, right? Yeah. Um, I can see her character having, it, you know, an end goal. Uh, of some kind that's maybe her own the way the um the trailers have really positioned boba fett of, of he is trying to remake the way crime works in the galaxy right it's gonna yeah. not we're not gonna slaughter each other it's not gonna be out of fear it's gonna be out of respect we're gonna work together and make this work right so we already have this kind of um this big picture challenge for him and then everything about it, it has also in those trailers really set up that there's going to be this internal challenge of who is Boba Fett now. He's not a hunter anymore, right? So we know that there's a lot going on with Boba Fett. So then the, the question is, does Fennec have an independent want out of sight being on board with this? Let's change the game. Does she want retirement? Stability? Yeah. <laughs> is there somebody that she wants a vengeance for? Uh, that's what I'm my biggest curiosity about Fennec herself. Because even if she doesn't have an arc, even if she's just like, hey, I think this plan that Boba and I have come up with to change the way crime works in the galaxy is, is great. And that's, that's her motivation. Yeah. Uh, it, it's still great to have a story of bounty hunters where there are two of them who are in on the same goal, right? Mm -hmm. Cause it's going to give them room to debate. Like we, we both agree on the path forward, but then each individual step, is this the right step to take in the path and to have mm -hmm. two of these characters to bounce off of each other is going to be fascinating regardless. Uh, yeah, I love what you're saying there, and, and and this idea that she's putting out there of uh, Fennec at this point in her life, after she has you know essentially died, kind of thinking, yeah, you know what, going at it alone, not the way I want to do it anymore, and it could be emotional, could be uh, you know just uh, you know I'm not saying they're in any kind of partnership other than the business one, but just like hey, this is a good friend to have, this is someone I'm connected with, someone I know owe a lot to, but also. You know, the life I led before maybe is less fulfilling, maybe also professionally less fulfilling. I can get more done now. I'm rising in, in this power structure, too. It's a smart move. 
you've attached yourself to someone who's on the go, you know, and, and going up as he is. Uh, and if, and if she believes in what he's trying to do, as you say, that, that itself is interesting. And we don't know a lot about Fennec. We've uh, been exposed to her now, what in uh, the Mandalorian and a little bit in bad batch. I would still say uh, we don't know a ton, but even a bad batch there, there, this, um, this rough and tumble deadly character already kind of uh, flashed some, what I would call some good hearts with Omega. Uh, for yeah. Me, just a touch of it there. So building on that and, and seeing where we can go with that. That's, that's some uh, really interesting and, 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 and proves that Fennec will have a value in the show. Absolutely. There's a ton of storytelling now to be done with Fennec, but I really like what was established with her in Bad Batch that she was the young, hot up and comer. Right. Yeah. Uh, and even then right away at the beginning, it's like, yeah, I'm deadly. Yeah. I'm cool. What do you want me to do? Kidnap a child. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's already a little, like a little rough on her soul, even though we get to see her, like take it to Cad Bane. She's the up and comer. Right. Yeah. Um, but we get this picture of like, if that's how it started when everything was young and glorious, what a grind, right? She's been grinding through yeah. the darkness of the empire for all these years to the point where she gets shot in the desert by an idiot child. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and then resurrected, you can see how somebody's like, I've, I've done this rough job forever. You know, yeah. I am tired of always being, you know, the, the bounty hunter who has control of her assignment, but never control the bigger picture. Screw that. I want to pick the assignments, you know? Yeah. Write my own ticket a little bit here. Yeah. And some great power in that. Um, uh, Ming-Na Wen also mentioned that the show will delve into the lives of bounty hunters, the secret lives of bees and bounty hunters. And this got me thinking of uh, what do we want to learn about the lives of bounty hunters, Joseph? Uh, they are still a mysterious bunch. We get that. Um, they're, they're cool at times. Uh, you know, what does Embo do on his day off? Do you want to know that? What do you, what do you take that, uh, from that, uh, statement there? Yeah. I like that. We have had a lot of exploration of bounty hunters in, you know, uh, books and comics, uh, and you, you can extrapolate that to screen, but it'll be great to get it on screen of like, some of them, it's almost like cultural, right? Like boss gets mm. yeah. hunting is a part of the Trandoshan culture, right? Um, uh, you get the picture of somebody like Dengar just wanting to be like, people said I couldn't do this. <laughs> you know, or then there are other people who have, you know, fallen into it because there isn't any other option or people who got into it when they're young, like Fennec, thinking it was this kind of uh, this way to get prestige or money. And the truth of it is mm -hmm. a grind. So I think seeing that perspective of like, we're older, we've been through this game, we both almost died, we're both in a place of rebirth. Now we're really in a place to feel safe to go, hey, being a bounty hunter isn't that great. <laughs> it is a lonely, terrifying existence where everybody wants to shoot you in the back. And we both have this moment where neither of us, uh, both of us ag agree to this idea of honor and we're not going to shoot each other in the back. Yeah. I love, uh, I love, love all you're saying there. If it's specifically just the, the various reasons people might come to this profession and thinking of it as a profession, but it is definitely, we've even talked about it as, as a, a, a class of warrior, so to speak at star Wars, you know, uh, are you a Jedi? Are you an Imperial? Are you a bounty hunter? Are you a smuggler, a scoundrel? All those kind of wonderful things we, we celebrate in star Wars, but just to look at it as a, uh, Who's Toro Calicat of the group? Like, this is how I become famous. Who's like, I just needed a job. And this is kind of fun. Who has a code? Who, dare I say, is the Dexter of the bounty hunting world? Who has some weird code <laughs> to doing these bad things? Uh, I would love to see that. And uh, what you say, all kind of coming to this fine point of, uh, hey, this is a, 
essentially a new world with the new republic. Things have changed. Jabba being gone is a great example of it. Now I'm going to take this, um, you know, Boba Fett saying, I'm going to fill this, fill this vacuum, uh, take this place up here and, and maybe have a different view on it and saying, I'm not a bounty hunter up top and, but still uh, being involved with it. I, I am, uh, I'm fascinated by just analyzing what everyone wants out of it now. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, the, this idea of working together, of uh, symbiosis, of, uh, you know, more than one individual working together for mutual advantage, it's such a big idea in Star Wars. And we see lots of positive examples of it. We see the really um, destructive cycle that's built into the rule of two. This is so great for that. Like, they're not the good guys. They're not the bad guys. They're the bounty hunters who are usually pretty bad cynics or realists, quite violent. Yeah, But then do you see these two kind of tipping into, okay, but we're going to play around in this idea of, you know, together is better than alone. And yeah. it's a, just a really interesting way to explore some core Star Wars themes. And it's, it's just making me think of uh, one of my favorite films, Gross Point Blake, where Dan Aykroyd's trying to get John Cusack to join the uh, you know, Hitman <laughs> Union. Um, and uh, if it's kind of reversal of that, uh, but fascinating. I just fascinated uh, outsiders, the Boba Fett of it all, which we'll discuss more, but yeah, the, the, you know, we've all grown up with bounty hunters being this uh, other thing to the point when I was young and I first heard that that was like a real profession here on earth. I was really <laughs> confused as to what that was. Yeah. I really was too. Of like what you dress up like a lizard and you hunt people. <laughs> you can really do that. Yeah. And I kind of, I, love that with Din Djarin like the Mandalorian that he he especially that very first episode when we didn't know anything about him didn't really even know his name and he held all the mystique of cool bounty hunter and he's he's a debt collector to pay for his kids back home basically right like, just yeah. like the Mithril's not some big challenge there's some cool violence and everything but the Mithril's just like you didn't pay your debts you weasel and I picked you up and I really only did it because my kids back home in the sewer need armor you know yeah and he's, he's you know food and fuel money at times like it's uh yeah just yeah to get through. Hmm. yeah it, it's the, it's a really fun take on the glamour of it yeah absolutely is uh we're not done looking at that glamour uh sfx magazine uh, has uh, even more in this article it's the mystery of boba fett and this is a fair question something we've touched upon before here but uh tamara morrison who has said uh says in the article not a comic book or bounty hunter book reader Admits to not reading all of them. Um, so there you go. Toss him out of Star Wars. Uh, he spoke about the decades-long mystery of Boba Fett. Now the show will deal with that. And he says, uh, yes, and that's where we kind of opened up too much of the can at times, I think. <laughs> I did have my reservations. But, hey, I trust the people I work with. I was so lucky I had people like Dave Filoni who has an ability to connect some of the dots, some of the ancient dots, and to keep that authenticity. I relied on him a lot because I'm not one of those actors that, as I said, reads every comic book and every bounty hunter book. Interesting question, Joseph. In a article promoting the show, Tomorrow Morrison says, I think we went too far at times. <laughs> yes, uh, I would also uh, take this with a large grain of salt. Man, I love Tomorrow Morrison as a... Uh, as a performer uh, and he is a fabulous actor and I love his interviews because look, you know, actors are humans and in my opinion, they're just different. There are some who are like some actors who have a little bit of like producer brain, right. And they really try to say kind of what the press release says, mm -hmm. put a little spin on it. And then there are people like Tom Morrison is just like, I'm going to tell you exactly what I feel. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and I think I think that's great for for honestly what I read into this is is him going like oh yeah no I, my my cultural understanding of Django and Boba I don't read all these books I don't have all these things memorized mm-hmm. um, is that people love them because they're this uh, mysterious unknown uh, you know just amazing warriors who are they really under the mask right and if that's his uh, relationship to it and his understanding of the fan love mm-hmm. and then he's getting scripts like. I tell people about this thing that happened when I was 10. What? Why? Yeah. <laughs> and then having Filoni come over and go, well, here's why. And him going, yeah. oh, okay, cool. Like, I I see in this quote a totally natural and great process. Yeah, yeah, really do as well. And, you know, of, of all the, the wonderful things Dave Filoni has, has done and, and brought to Star Wars, uh, one of my favorite things is saying, hey, you, you think you don't want more Boba Fett? Well, I'm going to give you young Boba Fett in the Clone Wars. Uh, you think it's kind of silly that uh, George asked me to bring Darth Maul back? Uh, we're going to look at Maul in a different light, and we're going to actually find a way to make this work. And and I do trust him on that and, and all the people involved with the show. Uh, and I'm sure Robert Rodriguez, by the way, uh, you know, driving force behind this show as well, uh, he understands that mystery because that's probably what brought him to the loving the character. And uh, I really love it. But um I, I, I think now more than ever, Joseph, I'm intrigued by them saying or tomorrow saying, yeah, we we, we really open up that can. Uh, yeah. I, I think now more than ever, I think this is the right time to do it for Boba Fett. I think so. Absolutely. I think it is the, for me. I know I've said this a lot. It is the reason to bring him back because mm-hmm. there is the Boba Fett of just the original trilogy who is uh, absolutely, you know, next to nothing about him except for he's cool enough to capture Han Solo and he's got an awesome ship and he has knee darts. Um, right. And everything about him is is legend that you create with your action figures. That was the original trilogy experience. And then, you know, the expanded universe it, books. Made, gave more information, but they still just made him the coolest possible badass of the galaxy, right? And then everything shifts with the prequels, and all these new ideas about him uh, come come into existence. And I think what's great about this is really taking the opportunity to marry these things. And mm. that's I so trust Filoni and everyone involved, but Filoni in particular, right? Because yeah. he has such love and understanding for the prequel era. Because I think all mm. of the the mystique and the badassery of Boba Fett is clearly going to be there, but I'm excited to read this and know, or, or I guess not know, guess, hope, assume that it's going to deal with his legacy as an orphan of violence. Uh, mm-hmm. The fact that he had an incredibly rough childhood, you know, bounty hunters do not make great surrogate parents, uh, except yeah. for Din Djarin. Um, it makes it me think that we're going to deal with his identity as a Mandalorian. Um, we know that he doesn't like being mocked as a clone, yeah. But what is his actual take on the clones? You know, are they just less than him, but he takes some pride in them because mm-hmm. they are also his brothers or are they an embarrassment, an insult? Like he he is holding so many identities and all those identities can be interesting and sit with his original identity of mysterious badass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think if if you stop at that door, uh, I'm not criticizing uh, Tamar Morrison at all of, of saying they went too far. But if you stop at that door of, yeah, Boba Fett. A lot of his appeal is a mystery, which, by the way, I, I would almost say it's just a fact. That's that's a lot of it because we could all create our own backstories. We discussed about uh, discussed that a lot recently on that that uh, behind the helmet uh, doc they got going on Disney Plus. I think if you just stop at that door, that means you might not have engaged even with Mandalorian or or the Clone Wars, uh, and and see see what they've done. That makes me more excited. Now, now Morrison said this: there there will definitely be a number of answers. 
Some long-winded answers, some short and sharp answers, some colorful <laughs> answers. We're filling a lot of gaps. Joseph, that is a lot of answers. And a lot of times that's just where, at the end of the day, if you think they, um, you know, uh, kept the mystery while building up some wonderful foundations of, of this character's identity and origins, and then you're going to be happy with it. If you think they revealed, quote, too much, eh, you know, then maybe you're not going to be happy with it. But uh, uh, we definitely preach it, keep an open mind for this, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think for me as a Boba Fett fan, I did love him as this uh, mysterious uh, badass, this unknowable, mm-hmm. you'll never know what's beneath the mask kind of thing. But for me as a fan, that ship sailed in 2002. So yep. since those, since all these other elements of his character are canon, I want to dive in and explore them and have fun with them and, and let them, you know, build up this complex character. Um, yeah. And I, I think for me, the mystery will still be alive because... Uh, he's still going to be he he's he's a character who can have a lot of conflicting instincts right so i think you're yeah. still going to have that mystery of like y- you push boba fett and you don't know what you're going to get right mhm mhm yeah and look and and it, it's already just from seeing um you know to uh, more morrison playing him in, in mando and, and and the energy he brings to it it's it's a, it's a strong stoic um, violent energy at times, a uh, very strong <laughs> character, but who, who's not over there just uh, laughing it up with Din Djarin and telling jokes and everything. It's still the same character. It's still the man beyond the mask. And, and the way I look at it is, you know, it, we, the way we, we the way uh, you, me, and so many other people take these deep dives into Star Wars, it's almost as if these characters are real. So the way I look at it is whether or not, uh, you know, Boba Fett is a mystery to me, he's not a mystery to himself. These things exist. These life <laughs> events exist. And if, and if we can you know, explore them, especially based around certain themes or these big, important questions, that's going to be a lot of fun for me. Absolutely. And, and I think dealing specifically with his post-Sarlacc journey, I think that's going to be there very in a very concrete way. And I think that's important because it's really going to tell us who he is now. How, how did he come to be this guy who's like, I'm not just going to go back to bounty hunting. I'm not a hunter anymore. I'm a leader and I'm going to change the game. Yeah, I you know I was uh, at at this uh, Shmodown event of the weekend. I had a chance to chat with our pal Andres Cabrera, and he asked me, you know, are you excited for Boba Fett? I said, you know, what? yeah, I've always been excited for any new Star Wars, but I think it was it was lower on my scale of of excitement, only because I just didn't know what to expect. And when that first teaser comes out, and the first line is, "You and I broke down, Joseph." Of uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a bounty hunter. Take your nostalgia and throw it out the window. It's something new. You got me right there, uh, and. I'm not like, I'm not worried about this. I'm not worried about, uh, you know, learning what Kenobi was doing in or off the desert in those 19 years. Uh, I do want to explore these characters. Those stories exist. So mystery be damned for my money. Let's find some <laughs> stuff out. Yeah, I think there's still going to be plenty of mystery. I think there's still going to be uh, plenty of stuff in the old Boba Fett can. I agree with that. So we'll find out soon enough. Book of Boba Fett comes out December 29th. We'll be breaking it down here on Force Center, of course. Coming up with some questions shortly here. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, break. But before we do that, Justin, what is our Force Center recommends? An audiobook we think everyone should try out on us. We are recommending the audiobook of Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule. It is the big kickoff to the High Republic era, which a ton of listeners, a ton of fans are really enjoying. If you're considering checking it out, this is the place to start. This is the place to start indeed. Download your free audiobook today by going to audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audiobook. All right, quick break on the other side. Your questions here on Force Center. 
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome back to Force Center, episode 381. We're here in our Super Star Destroyer of our fleet, our 
Boba Fett's mystery of our story. That's silly. Okay. <laughs> We're in Boba Fett's can. We're in Boba Fett's can. <laughs> uh, we are going to take a look at some uh, wonderful questions. Joseph, what do we got? Yeah, as always, we have two questions from Twitter and two from our patrons on Patreon. We'll go to Twitter first. Michael Gibbons says, okay, so this could be an entire podcast episode, but let's have some fun. As we know, Yoda has been training Jedi for generations, and every teacher has their favorites. Who do you think was Yoda's? Dooku? A Skywalker? Some unknown child who used to bake him bread? <laughs> this is a very fun question. Uh, Yoda has taught uh, Jedi for hundreds of years, as he will happily tell you. Uh, where do you go with this question? Who do you think might be a favorite of Yoda's? I mean, if you and I don't make a Liam pull the shades joke, we're failing. <laughs> Clearly. Liam, Liam killed it. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. I think Liam, I think the uh, Liam gets all the credit in that scene because we hear his name. But the yeah. child who actually comes up with the correct answer, J.K. Bertola, let, let's give put I some respect go. on his name. I agree with that. I agree with that. Uh, my thought is Yoda would probably remain pretty centered and balanced with his choice or his answer, right? He might, he might be playing some games, not answering it, but I've uh, never been a, a school teacher teacher. I've, I've taught some classes, everything. Uh, uh, but like I've, you know, I've talked before, I've, I've been a, a baseball coach. It's the only experience I have. And I can undoubtedly say I had my favorites, right? <laughs> the kid <laughs> what, in left field. You? Yeah, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, please. I just said the kid in left field that uh, during a playoff game, uh, when a line drive was hit down to him uh, and we all looked over and he was on his knees putting a big wad of grass in his glove, not going to say he was my favorite. Um, <laughs> that kind of answers my question. I was curious how uh, the different uh, young ball players became your favorite. Did you gravitate towards kids who reminded you of yourself? Did you gravitate towards mm -hmm. kids who just didn't need as much help because they just had their bleep together? There's a couple of those, and, and this is, um, you know, when, when and, and tying it directly to to, to Yoda, I, I would love to answer Luke or or see if we can conjure up some kind of connection to an Avar Chris or a Loden Great Storm, all these new, wonderful, powerful uh, Jedi we're learning about. But I, I think the answer is still out there in the sense of Yoda probably would name some unknown Jedi that is so-called less skillful and, and over came obstacles, uh, you know, with, within and without them to, to live this kind of quiet life of service. And I, well, the reason I'll tie it back to the baseball thing and answer your question more directly, Joseph, is uh, like I, one, one kid, uh, Drew, Andrew was his name, came from a family of athletes. Dad was really great. They moved to my hometown, I, you know, coached up in Aurora Grande, California. They moved from like the Midwest or something. And I, uh, they put him on my team. I didn't even draft him. They're like, hey, this new kid's here. Turns out I, I, I basically had Babe Ruth on my team. Like he was just super <laughs> skilled. He was 10. He was everything. And he was, it was so nice. He was so polite. Um, remember writing him. I, I wrote all the player, my, my players, a letter at the end of the season to, to talk about not just baseball, but life. And I remember telling that kid, I said, you might not. And you, I hope you end up playing in the major leagues, but you might not. Cause it's a hard path to get there. But I just know that whatever you're going to do, uh, you're going to, you're going to be uh, one of the leaders in the room because of who you are as a person, right? He, he just, he was a little bit of a, of a, of a, of an Avar Chris, just, just this light uh, in the dugout, but it, he was great. But I, my answer would be like, there was this kid named Carter who, 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 who couldn't hit. He was a little slow on the base pass. He was really frustrated one day. And uh, I remember I said, show up early before the game next time. Let's you and I work on something. And he did. And, and he told his mom and dad and they dropped him off early and we just did some drills and that day he got two big hits and the pride on his face of, of just that effort and result and the mm. willing to do it. 
And he was not going to go play in the major leagues. And I don't know, you know, what's funny is I, I still think of these as kids. I think they're all in the early thirties now. Um, <laughs> you know, scary. Um, I, and I was just so proud of that. And I think Yoda would see that. Yes. Luke's the, uh, you know, an, another version of the chosen one, just like Anakin and, and, and these superstars. But I bet there's a Jedi 500 years ago that didn't get all the skills, uh, you know, had struggled for certain things, but just overcame it, worked hard and lived a true life of Jedi service. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I, my main experience, uh, being in that kind of, uh, position is I taught a weeks long, uh, class uh, and helped, uh, teens, young teens at the time, uh, write a whole show, an hour long show. And it was really like developing with them, you know, what do you want to say about the world? You know, we can, you can go anywhere with your imagination, but here's our budget. And it was everything from, uh, acting to producing. I think it was, I think the, the class was called produce it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they ended up, uh, putting on a show and that was really, really fun, uh, to go like, I have all this information and I know how I would do it, but I need to get them to find the way that that speaks to them. Right. Mm -hmm. And I found myself drifting towards like, there was one kid who really reminded me of myself, had a, a similar sense of humor and, you know, was, was pretty forward moving and pretty productive. And I kind of checked myself like, I, I, I don't want to show favoritism to this kid because he reminds me of myself. But then the kid that I remember is a kid who was just incredibly different than me, was sometimes kind of disruptive. But the disruption came from just being like, I love theater. <laughs> <laughs> I love comedy. And like, and he kind of, he would challenge me and it was in good ways because then I would realize like, oh, I'm kind of just saying something like it's true because mm -hmm. it's been my experience. And now I'm really happy to be challenged by this kid to go like, Oh yeah, this is why I think it. Does that make sense to you? Let's try it. You know, mm, yeah. So it's yeah. a really good and insightful uh, uh, experience uh, mm -hmm. to to question what you know, which is obviously we know is a part of the Jedi philosophy of yeah. uh, you should always be questioning things. Sometimes questioning things will just make you go, "Yes, this is a time honored truth," and I have questioned it yet again, and I I stick by it. And other times, yeah. like, yeah, no, <laughs> maybe we should change that. Uh, Great. I'll say for Yoda that in canon. He compliments Kenobi a lot. Like, Does. I'm a big Obi-Wan Kenobi fan, so I don't want to just come running out here and say, <laughs> yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi is clearly, even though he wasn't actually Yoda's Padawan, just yeah. taught when he was a youngling, clearly. But he does compliment Kenobi a lot. And I think I think that Yoda uh, compliments Kenobi because he is so like, let's just get this done. Mm -hmm. You know, he's somebody who, uh, Obi-Wan can definitely be uh, snarky and, egotistical and a little vain and a little judgy sometimes but his heart is so pure jedi of mm. i'm so clear that my role is to help others uh that i think yoda uh sees that uh in kenobi and really likes that um yeah. i think ultimately i would love for this answer to be that yoda's favorite student is a jedi that we haven't met yet and when I started thinking about that, I got so excited, right? Because Yoda's been training Jedi for so long that Yoda's probably had this life experience multiple times where there's some Padawan in some time period before the High Republic yeah. uh, when Yoda was around, when the, when the child showed up, right? Then uh, taught him as a youngling, like Yoda taught, teaches many younglings. And then this, uh, this student became Padawan uh, of Yoda, a knight, a master, served for decades, served well, maybe challenged Yoda every once in a while. And Yoda yeah. had to go, good point, the mystery Padawan. This uh, this now Jedi master grows to old age and 
Yoda maybe kindly sits on his deathbed and this child dies in front of Yoda, passes oh. into the force in front of Yoda, and Yoda has barely put on a new wrinkle in that time. Right. Uh, a whole birth to death life experience. Uh, mm. I think that a there's got to be a, a great uh, story of, of yeah. who that who that Jedi is to Yoda. We're like the one the the first time I walked through a whole life with another being maybe means a lot to him. Yeah. And what that would mean to, yeah. Talk about, uh, you know, the bird of masters, uh, and mentors as they grow beyond us. And, and that includes that going to the next plane of existence. And that'd be one, if that the first time it hits Yoda, that's, that's, uh, that'd be something. Yeah. Thinking about that too is like uh, we talk about that Revenge of the Sith scene a lot, where Yoda gives Anakin advice that he needs to hear, but mm-hmm. is debatably a little perfunctory about it. Of like, ah, don't mourn people, don't miss them, <laughs> right? <laughs> Just be happy you knew them and they're gone now, and great. It's, it's all good. Uh, and you can see maybe when you think about it that way of how many you know uh, Padawans has Yoda outlived uh, yeah. that he's got that much grace and acceptance about uh, life and death. Yeah, that's great. We yeah. get we get a little story on that, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Come on. Great question, Michael. Very, very fun. Uh, any other thoughts on that one before we move on, Ken? I mean, we all said some wonderful stuff. I mean, it's still Liam, but whatever. <laughs> it's always Liam. Look, when you nail the shades, that's, yes. <laughs> that's all you need to be a good Jedi. Close mm. those shades when told. Uh, moving on to a question from Glandro007. Appropriately, for somebody with 007 in their handle, Glandro says, who is the deadliest gunslinger in the Star Wars universe? Mm. Uh, Ken, how do you approach this one? Do you, do you think that there is a, a person who is just playing more skilled, or do you think it really is a situation-based? Situation-based is, is, is a great way to, to start to look at it, and, and then just kind of what your definition of um, gunslinger is. This goes to almost to our bounty hunter conversation of it's such a you know class of warrior in Star Wars. It's a video game class to choose from if you're about to play Star Wars. Because uh, I would say growing up, you know, Han Solo definitely is, um, uh, he's got that gunslinger singer vibe by design in a lot of ways. But I think Han is, and is over the course of his life, has, has probably pulled the trigger less than the times, uh, you know, uh, that he um, didn't pull the trigger. I think, in other words, I think he's he's not just firing crazy and willy-nilly through the galaxy and, and tries to talk himself out of more than shooting out of situations. But when, when necessary, he shoots first. We know this. <laughs> um, I just started run, you know, just, I did, I just started run, running through almost like a roll call of what that really means to me. And, you know, Fennec's rep is growing. We've seen that both in Mando mm-hmm. and, and um, like you mentioned in Bad Batch, Boba Fett, I'd say he's a gunslinger. Uh, I think Django is too. And, and mm-hmm. Boba's is just, uh, uh, there's a lot of just pure violence. It almost, he almost doesn't need a gun if you're going to a literal gunslinger, like an old, <laughs> old West kind of vibe. I, I, so my all that to say, I worked my way through a lot of choices. I, I just based on what we've seen and who who's the deadliest. I really would say Din Djarin because <laughs> he's just he gets out of so many jams. He likes these odds. He gets out of them. He likes the numbers. Four stormtroopers. That's great. I got this. He is a very quick draw. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah, we we have seen him fight when. He is kind of dispassionate when it's just, uh, hey, look, I'm trying to pick up this dumb mithril because he didn't pay his bills. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we've seen him uh, quick draw in situations where it, it, the things he cares about absolute most are on the line. So I, I think Din's a very good pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to look at everything, certainly force users, but I think it extends to, uh, to mm-hmm. blaster slingers as well, that it is situational. Part of it, there's skill, but then there's also like um, 
age, atmosphere, uh, are your nerves getting to you? Are, do you mm. have an emotional relationship to the person you're facing, right? You know, is mm. Toro Calican a better uh, gunslinger than Fennec Shand? No. <laughs> mm. But the uh, situation didn't go well, you know? Right. Uh, right. So I always have that caveat, but I, I think if you could ask Coleman Trevor, he'd probably say Django Fett. You can't <laughs> because Django Fett's a really good gunslinger. <laughs> um, but so Django's up there. Cad Bane is, he yeah. is, you see him just literally, if you're just going to go to quick draw, right? Yes. You see him literally quick draw blaster very, very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that you see, you know, it's funny because we we were getting ready to to talk a little bit more about Cad Bane on the Clone Rose Report. I was watching some of those episodes this weekend, and and he's so good and confident, and and often in those in this arc we're going to review doesn't even have a blaster. <laughs> Maybe think about that. I didn't know this question was coming, but I was like, man, he's really good. He's really good. He's very very deadly. So there you go. That's our definitive list of about seven. Yeah. Who are- all to us, the deadliest gunslinger in the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah. yeah. All right. Any further thoughts before we move on? No, I just don't want to get uh, you know caught in the the, the 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 crosshairs of those characters. Nope, not at all. Uh, I am not the deadliest gunslinger in the Star Wars universe. Put it that way, yeah. or even in video games. We're going to move on to our questions from our patrons on Patreon. This is a deeper dive one. This uh, comes to us from David Osmo. So David wrote a great and thoughtful post uh, on the call for questions that we post on Patreon. Uh, And it is a bit too long to read the entire thing. Uh, But if you are a patron, I suggest you go check it out. There's some great uh, thoughts that David has uh, kind of building to these uh, central questions. And the real central idea that David is writing about is uh, all of the continuing interpretations and debate about balance in the force. And in particular, uh, David was really reacting to some of these Lucas quotes from the Star Wars Archive 1977 to 1983 book. Uh, These are quotes that Lucas gave when he was interviewed by Paul Duncan. So, Ken, I'm going to read these uh, essential Lucas quotes, and then we're going to dive into these ideas of balance in the force. Great. So Lucas says in these interviews, uh, you have the light side and the dark side in you. Your job as a human being is to try to keep those things in balance so you don't go over to the dark side. It's not possible to go all the way over to the light side so people struggle to keep on the light side because it's harder. That's what a Jedi is. A Jedi is someone that's pushing the light side as far as they can. It's not one thing or another. It's like an applause meter. If you're turning to the dark side, then the applause meter is going over that side. But if you can control your emotions, say, this is the force's will, this is natural, you can't do anything about it and just accept it, then you can get back to the light side. Otherwise, you'll be in pain forever. Obviously, there are people that just do the easy thing, Lucas continues. And the easy thing is to be angry, which turns to hate. It's not an active thing. It's a passive thing. Being angry with somebody is a passive thing. You have to work to not be angry the rest of your life. Bitter, angry, and of course, that leads to suffering. It's the bad side. On the other side, you have to be diligent all the time, like a Buddhist monk or a priest, to forgive and accept the fact and turn the other cheek. So uh, there's a lot of clarity in there. Uh, There's a lot of, uh, you know, context that it's uh, coming from an interview. But I just want to dive in because that's what uh, David's questions are getting to about kind of uh, he presents some of his takes on this and uh, wanted to know our takes on this. Uh, I want to know your reaction to how this interpretation 
you know, from the creator of Star Wars, yeah. of uh, of Balance in the Force works. Does this make sense to you in the context of Star Wars? We'll talk about it in the context of real life, which Lucas is also talking about. But mm-hmm. but first, I just want to start with, does this resonate with you? Does this make sense when you think about this is the explanation about what the Balance of the Force is? in the story of Star Wars. Yeah, it absolutely does. And I, I've, I've read this one myself and read this part of that, that wonderful book. I, I uh, suggest anyone uh, saves up uh, a much allowance money, many, many, many allowance weeks to uh, pick up <laughs> that wonderful book. I uh, can't wait to get the prequel one myself. I, I love it. It, it means, uh, it means so much to me, Joseph, because I'm someone, I, I sometimes make jokes at myself and my, you know, uh, intelligence level, whatever. I, it was just jokes, but I just sometimes need things really broken down to a simple level because I can get lost in the weeds. And balance in Star Wars is one of those things where it's like, especially when you when it's Jedi versus Sith, right? Uh, green team, red team, uh, right. blue team, red team. If you want to look at it that way too, uh, and it just has never made sense to me that well, Sith being around, that's that's not balance. It, that's not balance. The Jedi got to win. They got to wipe them out. They got to wipe them out. And then kind of Star Wars goes on, or you get older, and you, you know, then it's uh, Lor Santeca talk, starts talking about his thoughts on balance, and and there's just so much where you know you can get lost in the the wonderful weeds. It's a, it's a great philosophical discussion in Star Wars, but this this George saying this and putting this out there, this isn't about Je- just Jedi and Sith. It's about us, uh, and it isn't on an individual basis but it's about star wars characters on an individual level as well and it just really works and becomes more clear what it is all about uh and how the dangers and how you know to to, to be angry is to natural be natural padme said that uh but to not you know you don't want to use that rage as a weapon that's not necessary to do that <laughs> rage thing um i just uh, love hearing george break it down to this real simple uh, still complicated, but simple way to look at it for me. Yeah, I think uh, it, it's really great to have that clarity that, you know, we're not talking about teams and this isn't just about force users, even even within the context of Star Wars. Like uh, mm-hmm. this applies, you know, uh, uh, to Han Solo and uh, Dio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you can have debates about droids. Um, but yeah, th- this <laughs> is about this is about individuals, right? And the there's the the dark and light side of the force and the the force users, uh, when they rely on their emotions, they can have a greater impact because of this power. But this is about every individual in uh, in the galaxy. Right. And it's not about I, I can totally understand the thought that that people would have, and, and I know some fans still uh, have this perspective, and they want to have respect for people interpreting the story as, as they see fit. Uh, but this idea of that, well, the Jedi are the the blue team, <laughs> the light side team, and mm-hmm. the Sith are the the red side and the red team, and it's balanced to have two teams. So how could that be balanced if the Jedi defeat right. the Sith, right? Yeah. And I think that's an understandable question to have, and I think this uh, this quote goes a lot toward answering that directly and i think there's a lot of storytelling in star wars that does too but this is a very direct quote the idea that the balance of the force is uh is nature right it is uh the natural reality that there are uh sad dark things uh, violent things and they're you know buoyant joyful light right there's death and life and rebirth every individual feels joy and pain and love and anger and all those things are natural and what happens when the force goes out of balance is when too many individuals or powerful individuals choose to act on that dark side and that applause meter (laughs) that lucas is talking about is it's partially about just stewing 
you know, in your own gut with your anger, but it's then what, what happens when you act on that anger? Well, then you make, you hurt somebody else. And then that person, you know, learns that's the way the world is. And then they hurt somebody else. Right. Um, and it's when all of these dark side actions of anger and fear in pain spread out that, that things go out of balance, which is why the Jedi need to, you know, keep, keep the Sith from, from lashing out. Um, I think what I love the most about this quote, uh, Ken, particularly the the top of it where Lucas is talking about uh, that's what a Jedi is. On our Clone Wars report uh, discussion, I talk a lot about uh, justice for the Jedi. And sometimes we say it jokingly. But what I really mean by it is this core great idea is that the Jedi understand I'm not perfect. <laughs> I'm, I'm not just team light side and I'm always glowing. I am always going to be tempted by the dark side i'm always going to feel anger or you know in, in high republic it's so great about showing how people feel a lot of fear of like i'm not going to be good enough or somebody else another jedi is going to judge me like they have all this potential to go over to that dark side applause meter mm-hmm. and what a jedi is is going i'm going to actively acknowledge that i have the potential for that and i am going to strive to stay on this noble path of not giving in and acting on dark emotions but always acting out of, you know, love and joy and preservation and in help of others. Mm-hmm. I love that portrait of the, the Jedi of it's not that they're perfect. It's that they're working really hard to be the best they can. Yeah. What I particularly love about that is that's a, a noble and, and great idea of what a hero is, is not somebody who's just born perfect and golden, but somebody who works to be the best they can. But it really shows the other side of it, like the, the Jedi make lots of mistakes, right? Particularly in that Clone Wars era, which is why we're talking about justice for the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And you see that in the story of Star Wars, what happens when the Jedi slip and make mistakes is it opens the door for like all this cynicism in whataboutism, right? Mm. Of mm. you got characters like the Sith or bounty hunters or, you know, other people who, you know, give in to anger and fear and selfishness. And they see a Jedi slip for a minute and they go, ah, see, right. it's all a lie. They just want power. They just want control. If they slip for a minute, then my view of the galaxy is true, that everybody is just out for themselves. Everybody is just out uh, for power. And they use that that slip in the Jedi as a justification for giving in to this easy path of anger and hate. It is the direct manipulation that Sidious uh, does to Anakin in the great opera box scene in Revenge of the Sith. Like, I, we're all the same. Everybody just wants power. And the, here are the Jedi saying, nope, look, we slip. We make mistakes. We are not perfect. Mm. We're trying to be our best, you know? Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where, and again, breaking it all down is just hearing this, the, 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 when years ago, I remember there was a specific moment in my fandom where this question might have been pre- proposed to me, you know, well, well, what is balance um, and, and how is darkness and light exist together? How is that about, you know, and, and, and just as it relates to the Sith and just this idea of the Jedi standing as a guard between that, uh, almost as if uh, it's a dam, right? And and, and and there's water on one side and uh, you know, a city on the other and the Jedi up there to, to, to make sure the water, which is going to be there, doesn't get uh, so high that the dam breaks, which it also makes me think of Vader getting his lightsaber from um, the, what's that first Jedi, uh, uh, Fila, whatever the the one for the comic. yeah, Kirik, I think. 
Keurig, but literally they're battling on top of a dam, right? Um, and uh, the city is destroyed beneath it. So I just, yeah, it, it all just kind of uh, uh, it helps me understand it on a smaller level. Everything you're saying there, of everything what George is, is talking about, um, and and the purpose of the Jedi uh, uh, to to stand as best they can on top of that dam. Yeah. And I, I love this idea that you can't, that Luke is saying his philosophy that he tried to put in Star Wars is you can't go too far to the light side. Because what is too much joy, <laughs> you know? Right. right. Uh, and, and, and in particular, I think a big part of it is that he's, why they, why they stay on the light side is they don't try to change the truth that there is balance, that sad mm-hmm. things happen, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like I, I sometimes, when I did a, a Star Wars counseling episode about balance in the fourth, the, the way it helped me to break it down is just like, imagine a, there's a Porg, a Jedi, and a Sith. <laughs> they don't walk into a bar. Yes. They're just sitting on a nice hill, right? Yep. And if the Porg died of old age, or even if it got scooped up by a natural predator, the Jedi would probably go, that's sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that happens. If a Sith, for no reason, just walked up and like, uh, this Porg, I'm going to cut it in two because I'm angry. That's when the Jedi's blade comes out and blocks it, right? Yep. It, 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 that to me is like that's what the balance of the force is 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 uh preserving the natural way of things uh the natural reality instead of lashing out at the world with anger and and, and not going around slicing down any predator before it has a chance to get the pork yes. letting go and trusting the natural cycle of things yeah Exactly. Uh, it's so all about talk, porgs. It's all about porgs. It's the balance in the porgs. If you replace balance in the force with balance in the porgs, everything unlocks, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did want to talk about it in, in real world terms too, because Lucas certainly is. He's not just saying in yeah. Star Wars. He's saying you. This is my analogy about my real life philosophy. Um, and I think that sometimes maybe some of these conversations can uh, get extra muddy because we're talking mm-hmm. about both space wizards <laughs> and ourselves. Uh-huh. So for yourself, what do you agree with this in real world terms with how you approach your life, how you see the world, or is there parts that bump for you? No, it's it's all pretty in line. It's it's a very spiritual philosophy that's that's always uh, been there, and and I, um, you know, having uh, that kind of upbringing, it can connect to some of these big big themes there. Uh, so yeah, I, I it, it's 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 become more and more important, and it's weird as 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 I get older, and you and I keep you know talking uh, about Star Wars every week, and are blessed to have this podcast feed, and just the reason I get uh, even and more more excited to talk about it. Even the Clone Wars report's a great example of, um, you know, you and I sit down to watch these episodes and and, and break them down and talk about our action moments. And all that stuff is fun. I'm ignited, uh, just uh, just a uh, flame uh, lights up in my soul when I just find something in this animated series that can apply to my real life, past and present and, and, and future, you know, uh, yeah. Star Wars. And that's, I think, what George has always been saying. He's not, he's, it's, it's not a, a bad, uh, you know, it's not Shatner and then SNL sketch of making fun of Trekkies, that whole famous sketch in the 80s. If y'all remember <laughs> that. George isn't doing that when he, when he says, because sometimes he'll just say, y'all kind of, I don't know, y'all kind of take it too serious. I think what it just means is you're all debating over, you know, what X-Wing is better and this and that, which is all part of the fun. Don't forget the whole purpose of this is this uh, putting of this uh, these ideas of how best to navigate this world. And as I get older, I know less, right? <laughs> the old thing. <laughs> and Star Wars, because you and I study it every week for the show, it's just this thing I take so much inspiration for. So this and some of the other things I've talked about a lot recently that have just, um, they've met me at this point in my life where I need to hear them of, of 
you know, the stuff at Alphabet Squadron, this, the, the Sentinel droids kind of, you know, uh, Palpatine kept a list of everyone who'll smudge a report because he knows if you smudge that report, you're going to take one step farther the next time or you're more likely to. That is that is life in a nutshell. Uh, light and dark exist in all of us. And 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 this, it breaks it down to the choices are on a micro level. And I fail and succeed every day, right? Oh, uh, man. Yeah, daily. that's such a great way to say it. Mm-hmm. Daily, daily. And... What I love about uh, Lucas using the applause meter thing, which we, we've, uh, you know, this quote's gone around a few times and I love it every time I hear it because um, to me, that applause meter can be brought down if it's going too far to the dark side, right? <laughs> it, it can be brought down. There's things that will start to, to move it. Uh, we talk about that rage concept. When I think once you weaponize that hate, uh, it's going to weaponize that fear, your own fear. That's, that's the, the applause meter is, is, it might be broken. You know, you got to be careful. But I love this idea because it does keep with Star Wars 2 and this idea of redemption, of, of 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 you can continue to make choices that will lower that applause meter. Right, yeah. Back, it's, back down to light. And it's just a simple concept, but I, I love seeing it like that. Yeah, it's never too late to change your applause meter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's very nice. Yeah, I, I think uh, for me, some of this Jedi philosophy, getting to discuss it, look into it uh, by doing this podcast, uh, I... For me, there is balance in Star Wars. I love just talking about the weirdos and the, my my favorite mm-hmm. uh, fights and chases and all that stuff. Uh, Star Wars is just um, thrilling, and, and the aesthetics are fun, and and all that st- stuff you can absolutely dig into. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I think that there's absolutely this balance of like, but what is it all about um, in terms mm-hmm. of philosophy? Um, and for me, that philosophy is really helpful in just day-to-day interactions. Star Wars, of course, is not the only place you can find these ideas. Right, it's right. just been packaged uh, with lightsabers, so it spoke to my soul since I was, you know, incredibly young. Yes. Uh, so for me, it is really helpful to be like, um, man, I'm really mad now, and and maybe I'm even justified in being angry, and I want to send this email, but it won't help anything because mm. that person that I'm yelling at probably didn't mean to do the thing that upset me. Um yeah. And it's not going to help anything. In fact, it's going to make things worse. Um, that I- accepting that my anger is real and valid from my perspective, uh, or sometimes somebody actually truly has wronged me, and I'm I I feel it's valid. I've examined. I've talked to other people. And like I'm right to be furious. Yes. But what will happen if I indulge it, or, or what will happen to just my life if that's all? If I just stew in it, because I've had times yeah. like that where I've done damage to relationships because I feel like I've been wronged. And sometimes I think in retrospect, I was right. Other times I think I was like, nah, you were not. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. But I pushed people away because I just couldn't stop stewing on it, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. I was miserable to be around, you know. So just, you know, remembering how much this great fantasy story about spaceships and laser swords can have a day to day impact is is really powerful for me. Absolutely. Um, is, yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing that that I particularly wanted to talk about in real world is I I do want, always want to be careful that I think some of the things that uh, Lucas is saying can be taken out of context, right? Mm. Um, in a dangerous way, like uh, this idea of accept what you can't control. For me, I take that as like, uh, yeah, there. I, I can make, I know what I have power over and I can do everything I can to influence things the way that I want them to go. But there's some things I can't change. You know, right. and that's the way we all are. And if we want to make a change as a society, we have to pool all of our power together so we can make a change. Right. Mm. Uh, I think that's the idea of accept what you can't control. But I think that there's a little bit of danger in that to me that except what you can't control does not mean 
be inactive. <laughs> right. You know, it doesn't mean don't engage with the problems of the world. It doesn't mean sit on the fence and just point out that everything's wrong. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I can't control it. <laughs> Somebody else should do it. You know, like yeah. I think there's, there's a danger of it being, I don't think that's what Lucas is saying. I think there's a danger of it being misinterpreted that way. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. A lot now. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the other thing for me that I just want to acknowledge is I think the anger stuff really speaks to me on a personal level about not giving it into anger. But then I, I think about that from the perspective of, uh, you know, people who have a lot to be angry about because, mm-hmm. you know, the world has been set up in a way that is totally unfair to them. Right. right. And anger is just gotta be a day-to-day reality. And I think for me, it, I always want to be aware that saying, well, don't give in to anger can be easier for some of us than others. Right. Right. Um, and I think for me, the the big thing about anger is it can be a good motivator when something when something truly awful has happened in it or is ongoing happening and has to be changed, right? Yeah. That's where, you, for me, it's helpful that a part of this philosophy is like anger is real and valid and it can make you go, this has to change. Mm-hmm. But then's when, then that's when it really becomes about, you know, where, where, uh, where are you acting from? The anger is real. It's valid. Are you just lashing out to let your anger out? Or do you take that anger and go, I am motivated by this anger to find positive, proactive steps to make change? Yeah. Yeah. Even if, if, this, if the Sith comes by to slice the pork in two, that's going to make you angry. What do you do with the next steps? And, and, not, and I would never suggest that anything, even on a personal, emotional, daily level, is easy. I think that's also part of the point too. And, and some of the, the stories of Star Wars are, are are little lessons of when things go wrong. But I think you're right to say, yeah, it's not there. there there's no shame in that being a starting point, uh, which might even be something that Padme was touching on there. I think so. I think yeah. that's why she was like, yeah, no, it's you were. It is understandable that you were angry. Let's mm-hmm. uh, let's deal with that and and accept that honestly before we can then move forward with. How do you feel about how you use that anger, Anakin? Yeah. Yeah. And again, not, yeah, like I said, none of it designed to, you know, nothing we're saying here is uh, designed to say it's just all easy. Uh, no, no. And I, in fact, I think that's what's another great thing about this Lucas quote of like, yes, it is. It's day to day. Yeah. The Jedi are trying to be that. They aren't just like, I did it. <laughs> yeah. I became a knight and now I'm perfect every day. Yeah. No, and, and, and without a doubt, part of large part of George's purpose for this whole story, why I think it ties into so many other things in, in Star Wars things, even beyond George and. Why, uh, why Luke did not uh, show up and destroy every First Order soldier around right then and there, you know? It's all yeah, in there. Uh, yeah that, that's my final thought on this, going back to the Star Wars of it all. I think this discussion is a great way into Last Jedi if you've struggled with Luke, right? Because mm-hmm. Luke's grumpiness, uh, his, his, his cynicism, his inaction, it's all connected to this great compassion because he's been trying so hard to always, always be on the light side applause meter. And he slipped for a second and... And he feels so bad that he slipped from that noble path and he's trying so hard to find his way back to it, you know? The Last Jedi is just a applause meter movie. <laughs> and he literally did in the theater get applause uh, when it was revealed. <laughs> when I saw it, there was applause in the theater yes. uh, when it was revealed he had force projected to crate. So good job, Luke Skywalker. Yeah. All right, we are going to close out uh, with a fun question from Andrew Holmes. Andrew says, hi, Ken, Joseph, and Jennifer. Uh, If you're a newer listener, uh, Jennifer uh, Landa, the great Jennifer Landa, started the podcast with us. Uh, She has been on a break raising Padawans, but sometimes you'll hear us mention the great Jennifer Landa. 
Her, you can go uh, Google her, find all of her great uh, Star Wars content and past episodes here on Force Center. All right. Andrew continues. In celebration of the release of the incredible documentary Get Back and knowing Ken's Beatlemania, I was wondering which Star Wars characters do you think would best represent John, Paul, mm. George, and Ringo if the Beatles existed in the Star Wars universe? Mm. Uh, thanks for all your continued joy for the galaxy. Cheers. Cheers to you, Andrew. Oh, Ken. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how long did you spend thinking about this one? Uh, no, not you know what? Not as not as much as you would think, or maybe I would want, because uh, so fresh off of Get Back, I was thinking about the the Beatles and that, and in, in terms of that doc and who they are in that doc, which is who they are probably throughout the course of their life and career. But there's just some real specific things in there that uh, inspired me rather quickly. I don't know, as always, I don't know if the answers are right, but I've got them. Uh, you know, you've, uh, you have spent a lot of time with that documentary. So I think what I'd like to do is, uh, share my, uh, possibly more wild selections. We'll okay. see <laughs> Yeah. first, and then we'll close with yours. Is that cool? I love it. And, and you're a Beatle fan too. Whenever, uh, you know, you're not just Guns N' Roses and Sinatra. Uh, I know I, I, you know, I, I'm definitely obsessed with them uh, over the course of my life too. So yeah, go for it. Yeah, it's been really fun thinking about because I have not actively listened to them as much or engaged with them as much and just thinking about how much they meant to me kind of in in, in my teen years and into my 20s. And I think, you know, go, one of the albums that I had that I listened to a lot was White Album. And that's mm. such a weird album because it's just like it's it, yeah. them all kind of bringing their own thing to the table. But it's also just an explosion of like weird creativity. It's like it mm. stretches in so many different directions. And I think one of the things that the Beatles really meant to me is seeing you know, that, wow, one of the most famous and popular groups of artists ever are still experimenting and being wildly creative. Right. Uh, and that, that was, I think, one of the big influences for me. So along those lines, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. John Lennon was the hardest for me to figure out, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Quinlan Voss. Love that. That's great. So Quinlan Voss is somebody who is clearly uh, a Jedi committed to the light, but in the little bits of storytelling we get with him in canon, he's also got this really kind of wild and cheeky side where he's like, look, I'm dedicated to pacifism. I do my job well, Uh, but also, look, I want to have some fun with it. I want to figure out what's over there. And I feel like that's what's so powerful about John Lennon of like, look, I could do the same stuff we started doing all day, but I really want to go way over there and go, what, what's under that? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Paul McCartney, this has been influenced uh, by a lot of the discussion about the documentary that he um, had to fill the role of leader, even though maybe he had uh, didn't didn't want to always be the leader, but felt like it was his responsibility. Uh, So Paul McCartney is Padme Amidala to me. Love it. Okay, love it. (laughs) It just absolutely has to take that uh, that bit of leadership. But uh, still, look, uh, has a a lot of creativity. Mm George, this is a weird one, but I went with Poe Dameron. Okay, interesting. Just, uh, just a just a lot of uh, a lot of charm and uh, a lot of uh, ability to step up to be the leader, but not always called upon to do so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And finally, uh, Ringo Starr is Chewbacca. That's great. <laughs> That's great. He's just he's consistent. He's there for you. Uh, sometimes he's silly, but he's yeah. just holding it all together all the time. Oh, that's great, Chewy. Uh, I'm so curious to see if we have any overlaps. <laughs> we have we have one, but not an overlap. Um, Ooh. Um, so here we go. Yeah, I'll start, I'll go in the in the same order you went with. Uh, so John, John was yeah. John's the hardest one, uh, I think, in in a lot of ways because there's a lot of different faces and personalities of John. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of it was, and, it, and, and look, I'll be blunt, at, at times, John, I would call him uh, complicated and problematic at times. Like, he, he's in his upbringing, um, his mother uh, not around, then coming back and, and, and then dying, his aunt raising him in, in, in a way, his father reappearing, but just having, having left the family for um, uh, most of his life. I mean, there's a lot uh, I look at that and then tie it to John wanting to be something uh, something good, something positive, something in his heart, and sometimes fighting against that. Uh, even going into the Lost Weekend stuff in the in the seventies out in L.A., where he was he was uh, he lost the plot, man. <laughs> he was out here, um, and and um, the importance of 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 Yoko in his life, uh, what she did mean, an anchor she did become, and 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 often pushing him. Uh, forward, I, I I think for better, uh, more than worse, uh, pushing him to do certain things, pushing him to find out who he really is. So all that to say, all that to say, without turning this into a Beatle podcast, I went with Han Solo. With Han, Solo. Han being wanting to be a scoundrel and a smuggler and all that kind of stuff because he kind of needed it, and there's a certain freedom in it, and in a certain kind of victory over the life he came out of, uh, and and knowing, but deep down inside, maybe there's something better for me, and there's a constant struggle. Um, in that, like you said, he is someone who would, uh, you know, uh, push the boundaries, want to explore, want to, uh, you know, uh, 360 degrees of experiencing just everything that's coming his way, the rock star life and the, and then bacon bread in the late seventies. Uh, anyways, I just see a lot of, uh, I see a lot of the struggle, the struggle of a identity that runs throughout, uh, his entire life. I see it connect with Han. I think that is a very, very good answer. And I can also see Han Solo uh, pissing people off at a press conference uh, by saying who he was bigger than. Yes, yes. No, there's a lot of uh, lot of that and, and doing it in a charming way. So you almost, uh, you know, <laughs> and uh, and John, uh, John eventually quite, uh, you know, directly choosing a side as Han does as well. So uh, exactly. with, God, with, a great one. Yeah. With Paul. So this is interesting. I, I had a couple thoughts, too, but I, I'm. Very inspired about this kind of, I won't call it a new view of Paul, but I was talking to Scott Mance this past weekend too, you know, super Beatle fan as well. And, you know, he's always been a Paul fan. I, I've been a George guy, you know, when you start breaking up, uh, you know, which Beatle you like more and everything. He's always, to be clear, he's always been a Paul guy in the way you're a Kenobi guy. Um, but he's always, he just says, you know, he said Paul came off looking not just, be- not better, but just like came off looking real different to a lot of folks. A lot of people maybe got what he was trying to do and what you're talking about. Uh, you mentioned it, Joseph, just this, like someone's got to lead us. Otherwise we're going to be uh, destroyed. Like, and, and maybe that's part of it, but you know, maybe we should, but, and, and I kind of don't like, like it that I'm in, in this position, but here I am. I, so I went with to, to Poe Dameron. Oh yeah. No, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Right. And I just went to that scene at the foot of Leia's, uh, Leia's body in a bed. Just like, I can't do this. And how do you do this? And, and how, yeah, and 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 Last Jedi Poe learns these big, valuable lessons, and also learns that some of the things he was doing in the in, in the name of leading weren't right. And and Paul has a lot of those revelations, and in, in, in around the time we get back, he, he, I think the doc addresses that a little bit of him going, you know, I understand, I understand what I do, I understand what I've, some of the stuff I've done is wrong, but here I am in this position, uh, and I think that's a lot of Poe going into Rise of Skywalker and then coming out of it. Uh, I think he's much. Uh, much uh, better for it as a, as a, as a leader, and and Paul eventually becomes the leader of his own show, so to speak, uh, with uh, wings and Linda and everything. But um, I I think that's always been uh, been uh, he's he at times been looked down upon as uh, the bossy the bossy dude that try to keep it going. And and uh, I think you can see it. I see it. I see it. I personally saw it in a different light with this this document. Oh, that's great! Uh, very well reasoned on the on the Poe connection. Yeah. 
Uh, and then my, my guy, George, I'm a George guy. I'm a George guy. I went with Qui-Gon Jinn. With Qui-Gon. <laughs> he's got, he's got sage advice. He often doesn't say much, uh, got, gets overlooked, but then kind of has a explosion of popularity later. And then, you know, he's a little bit of a rebel. He's got a sly smile and yeah. doesn't always follow the rules. And, uh, George was, uh, George was his own man that just, but just was in a system that, uh, he often, uh, was button heads with. And so, uh, and he's, and, and he's looked back and he's considered so wise and, and, um, you know, but also, you know, he made his mistakes along the way too. And, and Qui-Gon's, uh, going to make mistakes in, in, in the, on the, on the side of, uh, the light. And I think, uh, I think he and George would have a lot to talk about. You are making me just want to, uh, see, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn fill in for George Harrison in his role in A Hard Day's Night in particular, where he just <laughs> falls into being a fashion model for a few minutes. Sure, goes with the flow. Uh, it's grotty. <laughs> Dead grotty. Um, well, the final one, Chewbacca is a great answer for Ringo. I think everyone already knew who Ringo was, but that doc really kind of highlighted, uh, He's just kind of this uh, good old good dude center. He's he's a little bit of the glue. He'll he'll be there, but he's got his opinions too. In fact, he was actually the first to leave the band for two weeks or so during the White Album sessions or whatever it was back then. Uh, so, but my answer is Wedge Antilles. Oh yeah. Oh, very good. Very good. Yeah, Wedge is always there. You know, he he's going to stick around as best he can. He's going to do what's needed. He's not going to get all the glory. And then at one point, he shows up and says, uh, "Let's fly, Lando," which is similar to uh, "Peace and Love," and just kind of people. Not not everyone knows who he is. Who's the old guy in the fancy fly jacket? Like, what's got? Who's this guy? <laughs> well, there's something about him I like. And uh, so Wedge Antilles, uh, take it out the. Taking out the Death Star right there with Lando, but uh, doing it from the support position. So there you go. That is very, very well-reasoned, very well thought out. Um, I can't wait to do this for every uh, classic rock band. I think we should. I think we absolutely should. <laughs> Great question, Andrew. Thank you. That was a ton of fun. Insightful for both fans of Star Wars and Beatles, I hope, or thought-provoking at the very least. Uh, thank you as well to David for the big question about balance in the Force. Yeah. And Galandro007 and Michael Gibbons as well. All great questions. That's it for the questions, Ken. That's it. That's it. Well, we are almost out of here. But first, we're going to let you know where you can find us. We're on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We are on Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Pod. Podcast podcast is available in a lot of different spots. iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Just made the big transition over to ACAST. So happy to be here. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. From there, you can get into our Discord where you can have even more detailed discussions about which Beatle is which Star Wars character or balance in the force as well. Uh, you can follow me at Cadnapsock or go to my website, cadnapsock.com. From there, you can get information on up, upcoming comedy shows like Washington, D.C. with Mark Ellis. You can get tickets for our four show uh, run out at the Comedy Loft. Uh, you can also click on my charity spotlight tab, tab which has uh, a lot of uh, charities that I've uh, supported uh, and uh, put to my. Uh, Heart and soul and efforts behind as well. We mentioned a lot of them here on the show, uh, but go there as well and find one that maybe uh, fits uh, your desire to connect and support. Joseph, what do you have? Yeah, you can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. Uh, I have a lot of fun in particular uh, sharing some of my action figures uh, that I don't open. Uh, some are opened as well, but it's more fun to share some of the packaged ones. Anyway, you can check that out on social media for all my other comedy adventures, my other podcast obsessed, uh, comedy albums, uh, shows I've written for, all kinds of stuff like that is on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. 
There you go, my friends. All right, we are out of here today. So for the secret lives of bounty hunters, the balance of the force, and Wedge and Ringo and Chewbacca, we'll see you next time here on Force. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.